a number of uh, things have made me shift my programs here and there. But I thank God for oh, it was God's plan that we have an opportunity here today, this morning. And so as I was preparing for today's presentation, uh, there's a friend of mine whom we are, uh, we are planning to make a strong evangelistic ministry with them. Actually, the whole team that you saw me come with, we are, we are forming a serious evangelistic team. We are likely to be going every Sabbath to other schools so that we may minister to them. So I'll, I'll want them to introduce themselves from once the farthest ten. We go this way, then we start from here. Then by the time we end with my friend who is the smallest over here, she will come up from so that we do a presentation with her. So let's start from there. <laughs> My presentation is based on Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And it says, Trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord your God with all thy heart. There were some great missionaries in Central Africa. They owned a children's home and a hospital. One time they were delivering a mother. Unfortunately, the mother died. The baby was immature. The baby had to be put in an incubator, but there was none. So the missionaries decided to use a hot water bottle. They looked the whole hospital for a hot water bottle, but the only thing they found was one, which was damaged. To their despair, they went to the then to the children's home. They told. They told the children the situation and they prayed. As they were praying, one little girl prayed. 
Oh God, please clean up the hot water bottle before evening or else the baby will die. And please send a doll for the sister. She, she is lonely. Before evening, a package came. It was for some babies from the US. When they opened the package, it was a hot water bottle. The little girl exclaimed, if there is a hot water bottle, they must be a doll. They, they looked and looked and they found a doll. Isn't, isn't it amazing that God answers prayers? What do you say to our young evangelists? Amen. What do you say? Amen. Thank you very much. We need to trust in God. We need to trust in God. Uh, what was the memory verse? Proverbs. What does it say? So don't read. Don't read. She didn't read. She didn't read. So don't read. Proverbs chapter three verse. What does it say? Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart Amen. Now, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. That was the key text, isn't it? Amen. What does it say? Excuse me, why are you people murmuring? <laughs> she, she wasn't murmuring. Alicia, let's give them one more time. What does it say? Amen? Amen. Now, let's say it with such clarity, okay? Please don't disappoint Alicia. Let's go. Want to go Proverbs? It says, Okay. The more I try to help you. <laughs> anyway. Let's learn to trust in the Lord. From the story, what did you learn? God answers prayers, isn't it? Yes. When, when you think you're in a fix and you think like you've uh, reached a dead end and uh, God can do miraculous things and he still does miracles. And uh, today, as we start, I, I need to put us on where we are going to learn today. Uh, what happens, the sermon or the sharing that you're going to have is from the book of Esther. Actually, I'm going to start the book of Esther afresh and seek to finish it within all this time. Last time I tried, I only did six verses, six chapters, sorry. So today I'm going to try and finish all the ten, ten of them, okay, within the time that we have right now. So if we have 50 minutes to do ten chapters, it means one chapter is... Five minutes, isn't it? Sure. Five or two? <laughs> Whichever. But uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So the, the, the chapters will find out to fit themselves into the time we have, okay? Now, go with me to the book of First Samuel. The book of First Samuel. 
The book of 1 Samuel is about a king called Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, the person who read for us read from verses 1 all the way up to 9. Now in 1 Samuel chapter 1, listen to this, and I want you to follow carefully because our lesson that is going to be from the book of Esther, the foundational message is from the book of Samuel that we're going to read. So if you don't understand this part, you may fail to appreciate the next part. Let's go. It says this. Samuel said, and so, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over these people of, over Israel. Now therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of God. That says the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he made wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim. 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said to the Canaanites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from the Amalekites, from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest unto Shur that is over against Egypt. Now listen to this part. It says, And he took Agag the king of Amalek alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and of the lambs, and all that was about that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused that they destroyed utterly. Let us pray. Precious Lord, allow us in this hour to understand the story of the book of Esther. And God, that we may also understand the import of decisions made before time. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you go to the book of Esther, actually we are through with the book of First Samuel, so you can rejoice on that. But I want you to remember that when Saul was told to destroy the Amalekites, he went and destroyed the Amalekites, but did not destroy Agag, the king of the Amalekites. He spared Agag, and then when he went and he saw the things that the Amalekites had, the things that were looking good to him, he spared those things that were good looking. And the things that were looking vile and refuse, he decided to destroy them. Now, when we come to the book of Esther, chapter is 1. Verses 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days of Hauserus. This is the Hauserus who reigned from India even unto Ethiopia, over 127 provinces. 
Those who are there in the previous message, we explained that the reign of Alzheimer's was to the extent that it stretched all the way from Ethiopia going up to India. Now, this is a big king. This is not your normal king. You see the normal kings, when, when you see somebody thinks that they are so powerful and he's just reigning over Kenya, a few hundred square thousand kilometers, very small. Then you see some people, in fact, there are other countries, I, I think some countries, some countries need to merge with others. You know, if, if, if you're told of a country like uh, Burundi, and yet Burundi, the population of Nairobi is bigger than the population of Burundi, then they call themselves a country. But anyway, let, let, let's not uh, disappoint them. Let's just appreciate that at least they are a country. But, but, but you see, when you are King Hauseras, you, you're not a small king. You're not the kind of kings whom we are talking about when, when people are reigning over just a few thousand. He's reigning over continents. Actually, when you look at it, all the way from the Indian Peninsula, it goes all the way, comes to Egypt, comes all the way up to Ethiopia. I don't know, but allow the preacher to stretch, stretch his sanctified imagination. Ethiopia is not so far from Kenya. Maybe there are even some few Kenyans and I agree, but let me not get to that. Let me not get to that. But uh, for those of you who know some few things about migration, how people came from, uh, from Barhel Ghazal and such kinds of things, I am tempted to think that some people in Kenya may have found themselves in the reign of Hauseras, but I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Let's not get to that. But you find that Hauseras had a very vast kingdom. But when you read about Hauseras, it says, you, you know, the moment when you have a vast kingdom, at times you even run short of ideas of what do you want to do today. Because maybe you've decided to visit all the parts of the provinces, then you sit back and say, now, what is remaining that we can do? You need something creative. And the Bible says in verses 2, In those days, Hauseras sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was at Shushan, the palace. And in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants. The power of Persian media, the nobles, and the princes of the provinces being before him, which he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even 180 days. Now, I want you to appreciate this, because you may not know who Alzheimer's is, but if your riches and the glory of your kingdom takes you 180 days to just show people how serious your kingdom is, that's a big kingdom. And it means you have a lot of riches. And he spent 180 days taking these people through a tour of his kingdom and showing them the great riches of his kingdom. At the end of this time, the Bible says, and when these days were expired, the king made a feast. When the king made a feast, let me go quickly. We are told that when he made a feast, he called people to come and enjoy at his kingdom. Now when these people came in chapter 1, verse 10, go to that place. Because when he made a feast over here, the first lady, the queen, also made a feast on the other side for the women. These people knew how to demarcate between men and women. So it says in verses 10, On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bishta, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, 
Zetar, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ozeras the king, to bring Vashti the queen before with the crown royal to show the people and the princess her beauty, for she was fair to look upon. So here the queen, the, the king is uh, married with wine. The king has taken wine and now the king is like, I have a very beautiful wife. I want to show people my wife. So when they requested for the same, the message was sent to Vashti. Now listen to what Vashti did in verse 12. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command by his chamberlains. Therefore the king was very wroth, and his anger burned in him. The king was annoyed. When the king was annoyed, as you read subsequent verses over there, you will find that the men became insecure. They started complaining to the king. Then you see the king, if the queen has decided to defy you, what do you think will happen to us? In fact, if this message goes to the rest of the kingdom, people will say that if, in fact, the other ladies, the other ladies will be speaking among themselves and they say, Sasa, we will yet see your king, his territory is only this compound. If, if, if the queen can defy the one who is in charge of India to Ethiopia, what about this one? I'll also defy this one. So the, the, the men went, the men went, I, actually what I'm explaining is found in verses 17 and 18. You can find it there, 17 and 18. Now the men went and complained. When the men complained to the king, the king said no. So what should be done? This will give the king an idea. They told the king that because of what Queen Vashti has done, let Queen Vashti be taken off from the queen's seat. And the king did that. Out of pressure. You think peer pressure is only in class. Even, even for these people, they also have peer pressure. Let me tell you, peer pressure is a bad thing. <laughs> in fact, let me read for you verse 20. Listen to all they say. And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all the empire, all the wives shall give their husbands honor, both to the great and the small. So king, get rid of this queen. Then let everyone be told, such that when, when we go home and, and our wives are becoming defiant, we tell them, excuse me, did you hear what happened to the queen? <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe if they hear, if they hear what happened to the queen, then they'll also mail or they'll say, in this kingdom you don't joke with men. Ah, no, no, no. Real men don't use threats. But anyway, let's continue. <laughs> it says, And the same pleased the king and the princess, and the king did according to the words of Memukai. Brethren, have good friends who advise you well. Don't have friends like Memukai. When, when you have friends like this, you, you, you will be divorcing your wife after every two days. After two days, you, you come home, maybe the, the, the supper was not ready. Then uh, they call you, have you taken supper? No, no, no. Get rid of that one. <laughs> <laughs> you get married to a wife, not a cook. And anyway, let's finish this part. Let's finish this part. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 1. The letters were sent. The queen was done away. But in chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, when the wrath of the, queen, the king, Auzelas, was at peace, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Let me tell you, there are moments when you need to have things we call sober reflections. Don't make your decisions when you are under the influence of wine. Or not even only wine. There are certain, when you have weighty decisions to make, don't make weighty decisions when you are not sober. At times, you know, there are decisions we make even when we are angry. 
You're just so mad at something. And so you say, because of this that I was done for, I'm not going to do this. No, relax, relax. Allow, allow yourself to become a little bit sober. Then make a big decision at that point in time. And you see, now, one thing you need to understand, according to the laws of the Medes and the patients, when you have passed a decree, you can't go back on that decree. Their laws were irreversible. So when now the king has passed the decree that the queen is going to be done away with, when he, he sobers up, you know that, brethren, please do, do, don't spend your time with beer, okay? It, it's, the other time, I know this same congregation, there's a congregation I was telling that beer is expensive. If, if you have to drink, please drink water. Because uh, look at it like this, 500 mils, 500 mils of beer is costing, I, I know I tell Adventist congregations, don't know the exact amount, okay? You may think that you're buying it. So let's let approximate, let's approximate. Let's just approximate in the vicinity of something. Five, 500 mils of beer, definitely it's costing more than 100,000. So let, I haven't seen this. Average shillings. So let, let's approximate between 120 and 150. That's five, half a liter of beer. Now, half a liter of quencher drinking water in the most expensive supermarket, it may be costing 25 bob. So half a liter costs 25 bob of water. Half a liter of beer costs 150 bob. Brethren, even if your mathematics is pathetic, can you just see drinking water is cheap? As if it's not only healthy, it's also cheap. And let me tell you, the moment after you drink water, have you ever seen somebody drink water until they are staggered? You don't. As if you drink water, even your thinking becomes clear. But you drink this other one. You only say, okay, they say don't drink and drive. I'm not driving, I'm walking. No. Let me tell you, beer, beer, wine, drugs, drugs are not good for your health. And that's why, when, when you see over here, when the king was under the influence of alcohol, the king could not make a sober decision. But afterwards, he remembered Vashti. But you know what? The decree has been made. So he can't do anything. So they say, let's go looking for a new queen. Brethren, you did get this. But I'm going to explain to you something. You know, I, I want you to understand this. God is God. God is God. God, God looks at events and, and God, God looks at events and even plans beforehand. I know some of us normally think uh, at, at times we take God by surprise. Nothing takes God by surprise. By the way, when you see something happening, I like telling people, stop being misled by this idea of it happened by chance. That was fate. There's nothing like fate. Let me tell you, go sleep right now instead of reading, you're going to fail your exams. They start telling us, oh, it is fate. Mara, we school uh, stole exams. Oh, why, why don't you just read hard? Let the thieves steal. You, you just read hard. Just read hard. By the way, those who steal exams, leave it for them. You know, at times you spend a lot of time, you're worried about those who have stolen until you don't read. But now you fail. <laughs> you're so worried. In exam this year, there was a lot of cheating. There was a lot of cheating. Why are you worried about cheating? Be the one person who can do that which is right. So that even if they have all cheated, you look at them and you say, yes, you cheated, you have a A. I went through hard work and I trusted in God, I also have an A. Then both of you are standing together and, and you're looking at one another. Then, then they know now this is my A. I know I don't know these things. If they take me for medicine, I'll not make a good doctor. 
they are worried. But you, you are relaxed. Listen, this is the time. This is the time. But let me tell you something. God normally overrules. God overrules. I love God for one thing. You know, when, when things look to be so tough and difficult, just leave it in the hands of God. When you see things that are not going in the way you want it, leave it in the hands of God. You know, the, the devil, I know I like telling people, the devil may be mighty, God is almighty. The devil may be powerful, God is all-powerful. The devil may be knowledgeable, God is all-knowing. There's a difference, there's a difference. And that's why when the devil was looking at his game plan for the children, for the people in Hosera's kingdom, the devil looked at it and said, uh, now what can I do? What can I do with Vashti? Vashti has decided not to come show her beauty. I'm doing away with Vashti. What the devil doesn't know, when the devil does away with Vashti, God had already come up with a master plan to bring in Esther into the kingdom. Now you know, you do away with Vashti and then you think like, yes, this is a good one, this is a good one. Now, what can I do? You know what? God just plans and, and then brings a little known queen who is called Esther. Esther comes to the kingdom. Now when Esther came to the kingdom, I want you to understand this in verse 10 of Esther chapter 2. It says, Esther had not shown her people nor her children, for Mordecai had judged her that she should not show it. Brethren, relax. Mordecai had told Esther, don't tell people where you come from. It's almost like saying in a very tribalistic country, don't tell people where you come from. Just be a Christian. Let's go to the next one. Verse 20, chapter 2. It says, Esther had not yet shown her kindred nor her people, for Mordecai had child her second time. So we find Mordecai is seemingly giving the queen instructions on how to carry out herself. Telling the queen, when you go to the kingdom, just be the queen and do your work diligently. Be very exemplary. Don't tell people where you come from. You just be there until a time comes they notice we've never seen a queen like this. Let people notice that you are here. Then they'll start asking, where did this person come from? Why are they behaving like this? Let's go to chapter 3. I like chapter 3. It's an interesting one. But before we get to chapter 3, I need to read through chapter 2, verse 21. Listen to chapter 2, verse 21. It says, In those days, in the days when Esther was made the queen, in those days while Mordecai sat at the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, that is Bigtan and Teresh, of those which kept the door, were wrought. They were angry. And they sought to lay their hand on the king Hauseras. And the king was known, the thing was known to Mordecai. Mordecai told it to Queen Esther. Esther certified the king in Mordecai's name. Now listen to the next part. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out, therefore, they were both hung on a tree. And it is written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. Amen? Amen. Brethren, I like telling people, when you're reading the Bible, mark every word. Don't, don't just gloss over it and think that this is not important. All scripture is given of inspiration by God and is profitable for reproof, doctrine, and correction and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 2 Timothy 3.16. Now you know what that means? It means that when you're reading the Bible, even there where it is written that the things were written in the book of the chronicles of the kings, that part is also important. 
It's important for your salvation. So what happened is these people had privately planned to kill the king. Mordecai got to know it. Mordecai told it to Esther. Esther getting to know this thing tells it to the king. The king does an inquiry, commission of inquiry. It's passed and they get to know true. These people wanted to kill the king. Then these people were hanged. But brethren, do you know something? Just do the right and go. Okay? Don't do the right. Then you're like, now, now that I have told the king, where is the prize? You know, you, you know some of us, our main worry is, why is it that I'm not being rewarded for the good I have done? It means like you, your aim was the, the one, not the good. I, I, I actually, it seems like maybe when you're doing it, if there was no reward, you would have done the evil. But listen, Mordecai did this, and then the story ends at that faith in verses 3. After these things, did King Hauserus promote Haman, the son of Hamadetha, the Agagite, and advised him, and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. Amen? amen. Get this clearly. You say, Amen. I want you to know whether you're getting this, but I want you to get this part clear. It says, what did Mordecai do? Mordecai went and told the king about a plot to kill him, isn't it? But after all those things, the king did not promote Mordecai, isn't it? The king promoted who? Haman. You know, it's so interesting that you're the one who has even saved the life of the king. And then what does the king do? He goes and picks another person and promotes that person. But when the king promoted Haman, I want you to understand, who is Haman? They say Haman, the son of who? Hamadetha? The Agagites. Did you get that? Haman is the son of Hamadetha, the Agagites. Let me ask you a question. What was our key text from the book of 1st Samuel? You remember that? Yeah. Saul was told, go and destroy the Amalekites. Isn't it? He destroyed the Amalekites, but he spared the king. Did you read that? The king was called Agag. Did you read that? So when he spared Agag, he did not kill Agag, who was of the Amalekites. Now this Agag went on to live for quite some time. Now when we are getting to the book of Esther, we find a descendant of Agag. Because Agag was one of the, one of the people who was uh, the grand-grand-grandparents of Hamadetha. Because Hamadetha is called Hamadetha the Agagite. Now, suppose, let me pause the sermon a little bit. Press the pause button. Let's, let's get to this part. Suppose Saul had followed the instructions of God and killed all the Amalekites. Would we have had a man? Would we have had a man? A man would not have been born, isn't it? But you see, when you fail to follow God's instruction, brethren, at times, not at times, but all the times, it pays to follow God's instructions to the left. When God says, do this, please, brethren, let's just do it. At times, it makes no sense. Let me tell you something. If you're waiting for it to make sense, then it means that you're the one who is God. Because you're like, God, I, I don't see the sense in it. So until it makes sense to you is when you think it will be serious. I, I, I know most of you are adults, but let me tell you something. When you are young, and this is fire, you know, when you're a child, when you're a child, even fire looks fascinating. I've never known that. When you look at fire, you look at it like, 
how comes this thing this thing its color is stunning why is it that the outside is blue the inside is orange sort of and then as a child you, you can even get adventurous thinking can i touch this fire now if if your parents do not intervene do you know what you will do as a child you will touch the fire isn't it and when you touch the fire it's going to burn you but you see at that time when you're being told don't touch the fire it feels like no this thing doesn't make sense why are they refusing that i don't touch the fire but let me tell you, when God gives you instructions, please, don't wait for it to make sense. If God has said it, it's sensible, okay? Whatever God says is sensible. You don't say amen to that. Amen. I don't know what is sensible to you, okay? <laughs> but anyway, don't worry. Anything that God says is sensible. It may not make sense to you, but understand one thing. Because it comes from God, it makes sense. So Saul was told to destroy all of them. Because Paul had even seen that if you leave a girl, a girl is going to have a descendant who is going to seek to kill all the Jews. This is your time to do away with the person who is the enemy of the Jews before he's even born. Stop it right now. And they decided not to stop it. And several years later, now we find Haman. Brethren, Haman was another guy. Let me read for you about Haman. It says in verses 2 of Esther chapter 3, all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. Because Haman was like the deputy king, it had been commanded that when you see Haman, just bow down and worship him. But listen, the Bible says in verses 2 still, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did reverence. Then the king's servants which were in the king's gate said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Why are you disobedient? Don't you know? I, I, you know, at times I ask myself, I, at times I ask myself, how, how do you think they must have done these things? They must have done this. Because here is Mordecai seated, and then a man is walking in the gate. You see, man is already down. Mordecai is seated as if he's even wondering. Where are these people picking from the ground? And, 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 and these people are bowing down, bowing down to a man. Then I see the person seated next to Mordecai. Excuse me. is passing. Oh, he's passing. Okay, let me just pass. <laughs> then you know, after a man has already passed and gone to the other side. Then they, 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 they ask Mordecai, Mordecai, I, I don't know whether you were paying attention when the king passed and he said that people should bow down and worship a man. Why are you being defiant? And, and, and you know, when you ask such a question, why do you transgress the king's commandment? L listen to his answer. The Bible says in the next verse, Now it came to pass, when they speak unto him daily, and he acted not unto them. As if every day they were asking Mordecai, why are you not bowing down? You know, if you are a man, you don't even check who is bowing down or not. You just walk. Because yeah. you know, by the time you are walking, you see somebody who is not bowing down, you know they are about to start bowing down. <laughs> but you know, if you are Mordecai and you know the instructions of the Lord, you don't care to even pretend that you are bowing down. In fact, that, that is the time when, even, even if you are not tired, you stand and you start stretching. <laughs> you pretend like, so that they may not mistake. In fact, I'm thinking, even if Mordecai maybe was feeling something itching on his feet, as long as a man is passing, he doesn't, he resists the temptation of scratching his feet until a man passes, lest people mistake him that he was bowing down just because he went to scratch his feet. But here's Mordecai seated. 
The Bible says, when this was told to a man to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. Did you hear that? As if these people went and told a man to see, and uh, now let's see the showdown between Haman and Mordecai. Which one will stand? Now the Bible goes ahead to say, for he had told them that he was a Jew. Did you get that? When they, when they ask, by the way, brethren, there are certain questions that you need to answer in a very explicit way, okay? Answer them very simply. When, when they kept asking uh, Mordecai, Mordecai, why are you not bowing down? He did go into the theological exegesis of trying to explain to them that, you see, the process of bowing down means, no, 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 he just told them one thing, I am a Jew. Now, you, you know, that's like giving somebody an assignment. They ask you, oh, 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 why are you not bowing down, I am a Jew? Now they have to go and Google Jew. Who is a Jew? Why do Jews bow down? They, they, they went to their Google of those days, they Googled everything, and they found, okay, Jews can't bow down. Why? Because Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and they read all that, and they said these are the Ten Commandments. So the king's command is here, but there is another command from the king of kings, which the Jews obey. So they looked at it, they said, no, no, no. Now we understand. Now let's see who is, who is the real king. Who is the real king? These are the Jews. So let's go tell Haman. They told Haman. He had told them he was a Jew. Brethren, you know what? I love listening to someone. I was listening to some someone yesterday. And then as I was listening to this someone, uh, there's a story which the preacher was talking about. And the preacher was saying that uh, there's this time when uh, they got to some place and then a medical doctor was called to come and explain to people why they should not eat pork and pigs and everything. And he gave them a very clear medical explanation and everything. And then you know what? That doctor, after giving all that, he told them, but you know what? Uh, according to the medical profession, it has also been found that, gee, what, what? It's not so bad uh, with uh, this... Uh, thing and all that, and then the convention of preachers got worried, and then they asked the doctor, now what will we tell the congregation when they ask us about eating free, because you know some people cramp this person, so what will we tell them, he told them, simple, just tell them God said you don't eat it, you know at times we, we look for excuses for so many things, we try explaining ourselves, if God said it, it's fine, okay, if somebody asks you, just tell them, why don't you drink beer? There's nothing like drinking responsibly. God said you don't drink. As in, if you have to drink, drink water. There's water, there's the land flowing, there's milk and honey, there's, there's, there's porridge. There's, there's so many things you can drink. Of all these things, some of them are even free. Can't you drink porridge, please? Imagine, instead of drinking free, free lemon juice, you decide to get creative, to go buy things that are more expensive than lemon. No, we can't do that. In fact, somebody one day said that, have you ever seen a cow smoke cigarettes? Even grass, even grass itself, cows do not smoke grass. Cows go and eat grass. They don't smoke it. But look at human beings, they think that they are creative. Now they go pick the leaves of a certain plant, then they roll it somewhere and then they smoke it. Not a ishibishi, you smoke it only to blow it out. What is that? Brother, you know, it would be more sensible if you take all that smoke and it goes inside in a shibisha. But this one, you just take it in and then blow it out. Take it in, blow it out. I said, how do you pay? How do you pay to just take in smoke and blow it out? What? 
Imagine. As in, as in, at times you look at man and you wonder what is wrong with man. So next time somebody asks you, tell them, I'm a Christian, that's why you don't do this. Simple. Then when they ask you, but I see other Christians doing this. You know, there's a difference between hypocrites and Christians. Hypocrites can do these things and then they call themselves Christians. But when you're a Christian, you will not bow down to her man. Let me finish this story. It says this, verses 5. And when a man saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, her man was full of wrath. He got married. Who is this who does not even recognize that the king the other day gave me a very high promotion? Who is this who is not aware? So you know what? When he got wrath, the Bible says that he went and he sought to lay hands and not on Mordecai alone. He said, I'm going to punish this Mordecai, but I'm going to punish everything associated with Mordecai. So anyone who is related to Mordecai, I'm going to punish them. They know what he did. He went to the king. Listen to what he told the king in verse 8. A man said unto the king, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are diverse from all the people. Neither they keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not profitable for the king to suffer them to live. Did you hear that? A man went and told the king that king, understand one thing. There are some people over here, they have different laws from the rest of the people. When the majority of the people are doing their worship on this day, then they are doing their worship on that day. When the majority of people are eating all this, then they are only eating this. When the majority of the people are bowing down to worship every other thing, then they are insisting they only worship God. I don't think it is profitable to have these people in your kingdom. What do you think? And it's not only that. He didn't ask him only what do you think. He told them, I have a suggestion. I am going to fund, I don't want you to waste your money, because I have money. If it pleases the king, if you read the next verse, it says, if it pleases the king, I am going to fund so that the king can have all these people destroyed. He placed some money in the king's treasury just to destroy the Jews. But see, when he sought to destroy the Jews, the Bible says this. In verse 10, the king took his ring from his hand and gave it to a man, the son of Amadetha, the Agagite, the Jews' enemy. Amen? Amen. Now listen to this. The king removed his ring, which was for royal authority, and put it in the hand of this other guy who is a man. So it was like a man even got even more authority. But you know, when the king did this, a man even felt much better. And you know, a man now left that place. A man went, he said, now I am going to publish through all the kingdom that at such and such a date, the Jews will be destroyed. So when, when he had come up with that, something happened. Mordecai had about that commandment for the destruction of the Jews. When Mordecai had it, Mordecai was so much in pain. So he even came, he rent his clothes, he was crying. He could not even go into the king's gate because you cannot enter the king's gate in sack clothes. So you know what happened? Mordecai, this thing was told to Esther. When Esther was told, Esther sent a message to Mordecai that you go dress properly, then come in. Mordecai told Esther, I can't come in. 
Then now is when we, we find the part which is always interesting. Esther is told by Mordecai that Esther, I want you to go to the king and tell the king what is happening. Mordecai says, you know, I can't go to the king. Or, or rather Esther says, I can't go to the king. For if I go to the king without permission, I'll even be destroyed. Then now listen to this part. It, it's found in verses 13. Mordecai told Esther this. Think not with yourself that you shall escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. If you hold your peace altogether at this time, enlightenment and deliverance shall arise to the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house you shall be destroyed. And who knows whether you are brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you know that statement is very heavy. One of the things it says is, one, God does not need your assistance to do his work. You know, I think some of us think that we do God a favor. So you are called to come preach, then you say, uh, today I don't feel like. Listen, if you don't feel like preaching, somebody else will come and preach. God does not run out of people who are willing to serve him. But he told, he told Esther that don't think that you will escape. If you keep quiet, I, I remember during the lesson discussion, we were being told that, oh, don't keep silent. Brethren, if you keep silence and hold your peace altogether, God will still bring deliverance to his people. But you, you who decided to keep silent, you will not get anything out of it. You will be destroyed. And then he told him, who knows whether you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? That's a old sermon, my sister. It's a old sermon like that. Who knows whether you were brought to Queen Esther for such a time as this? I know some of you will look at it and say, ah, preacher, preacher, you're, you're, you're trying to stretch your imagination. No, let me tell you, the reason you're seated over here, God has a purpose for that. For such a time as this. And let me tell you, God has put it at fixed events so that you can be here and you can be blessed and be a blessing to others. But if you're going to sit here and do nothing, let me tell you, God will still bless people, but you, you will not be blessed. So as you walk through this place or as you sit here listening to the sermon, ask yourself, am I doing something for the cause of God? Who knows whether you are brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? And listen, then Esther, let me tell you, when, when you hear a serious sermon, you respond. And that's why when Esther had that, that statement, who knows whether you came for such a time as this? Esther sobered up. Esther said, okay, go tell Mordecai this. That Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews throughout the kingdom that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me. I want you to fast and pray for me. <coughs> Let me tell you something. There are times when you're given responsibilities that look too difficult for you to do. It calls for you to fast and pray. And it says, fast ye for me, neither eat or drink for three days and three nights. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and then I will go to the king which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you, when you trust in God, you say, I am going to go and do that which is right. And if I will be destroyed, let me be destroyed. But let me tell you something, brother. It's better to be destroyed on God's side than to be destroyed on this other side. So many people are dying in the world. Better die when you are in the Lord. In fact, the book of Revelation chapter 12 will say, Blessed are they that die in the Lord from now henceforth, and their good works follow them. It's better to die in the Lord. 
but it's much more better to live in the Lord. It's a, it's a better testimony. I know, you, you know, so many of us are willing to be martyrs, but you don't want to live for God. Why? So there are so many people who say, you know, if persecution was to begin today, I'll, I'll really stand for God. God doesn't want to bring persecution for that sake. Stand for Him right now. So that when the persecution comes, persecution gets you walking with the Lord. So you're like, oh, persecution, you're coming. Just come, come. Come, come. And you walk with God. You walk with God and you go, you go. As you're walking with God, even when persecution is like, Chief, wait for me. I'm in a hurry. You know, I'm going to the pace of God. And you walk with God. Persecution will come and then when persecution reaches where you are, God says, God is where you are. I'm sorry, I have the wrong person. Who goes to look for another person? And that's the right person. Now listen, the king did something, the queen did something interesting. Esther now arranged to meet with the queen. Now when Esther, not to meet with the queen, Esther arranged to meet with Haman and the king. So Esther went to the king and told the king that I want to have a meeting with you. And in the meeting, I want Haman to come. Those of you who have never heard this part, I, I like this part because when, when Haman heard that they were supposed to meet with the king and the queen, do you know how happy Haman was? Listen, listen to how the story puts it. In verse 9 of Esther chapter 5, Then went Haman forth that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up, nor moved for him, he was full of indignation. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called his friends and Zeresh's wife. Let me tell you, imagine he has been called to the state house of that place. He's so happy that he has an invitation with the king and the queen, as if they're just going to have a, a, a banquet, just the three of them. And, and, and he knew that probably the king is going to say something serious to me tomorrow. And then when he's just walking past the gate, he sees this guy is not bowing down. All the joy just disappeared. No one's like, I surely. What is happening? This guy has refused. Even the king has recognized me. Not even the king only. The queen herself has recognized me as a serious person and organized for a meeting. But now this guy is not bowing down. You know, that was enough to even make him lose appetite. Listen to this. It says in verses 11. Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the princes and the servants of the king. Haman said, Moreover, Esther the queen did not let any man to come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared, but myself. And tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the king. Yet all these things availeth nothing to me as long as I see Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. So you know what happened? The friends told him, uh, this is a simple thing to deal with. Relax, don't worry. Why are you worried about this guy who is not bowing down? The thing is this, he's not bowing down. It only means he doesn't want his neck. So make a gallery over there. After you've made a gallery, we will show you how to do it. Tomorrow you're going to enjoy your meal without any worries. We are going to ensure that his neck is already hanging over there. So what you do, when you go to the meeting with the king, just tell the king that, if he asks you what do you want, tell the king that uh, I, I want that neck. Then when the king tells you, but you know we don't have a gallery, just tell the king, we already have one in store. So we are going to sort out Mordecai, then you won't have a problem. In fact, it says, and the thing pleased 
Haman and he caused the gallows to be made. Now, brethren, I was telling people the other time, and I'm repeating it today, that you see, if you want to know how powerful Haman was, Haman went home in the evening, isn't it? And when he went home in the evening, he shared his idea, he told these people about his riches, and then he ordered for the gallows to be made that evening. I'm seeing them working even overnight, just to ensure the gallows are made, because a man had said it should be made. Now you know, they've they, they, they done all their work, they've done all their work at night, because the meeting with the king is tomorrow. So Haman goes to meet the king tomorrow. But listen, God has a sense of humor. I always tell people. The Bible says, on that night, when, when Haman is busy over here, and I'm, I'm seeing a brother of mine was talking of this for working overtime, when a man is busy over here and ensuring that this thing, this girl is built over, over time through the night, you know what is happening? God is also busy ensuring that the king can't sleep. So the, the king on this side is not sleeping and there are other people who are not sleeping making gallows on the other side. So the king is busy over here. The king, and let me tell you something. If the king can't sleep, let me tell you. The guards, the guards, you know, they are happy when the king sleeps. You know what security guards normally do? Don't think those people stay awake at night. Those people are cheeky. They normally time when is the last vehicle getting in. When they see the last vehicle gets in, they take a nap, kidogo. Then they normally tell each other, so when do you think the first one normally wakes up? When they say the first person in this estate wakes up around 4.30. So by around 4.20, they wake up. But let me tell you, when the king refuses to sleep, you will have a long night. Because you, you can't start sleeping, you can't start sleeping and the king is still awake. So the, the, the guards keep on checking. And the light in the king's room is still on. The light. And, and you know what the Bible says? On that night, could not the king sleep? And he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles and they were read before the king. Amen. Amen. You remember the records I told you sometime earlier? That there was a chronicles that were written? Now the king can't sleep. And let me tell you something. God, let God be God. You know what? God denied the king sleep. Then God even tells the king that you're not sleeping, you're not sleeping. So what can you do? Uh, can we get entertainment? You know, people are suggesting for the king. King, can we get for you some people to come and entertain you? No, no, no. Then they say, uh, king, was the food pathetic? No, it's not about food. Uh, king, can we get for you some juice? No, I don't want juice. Then the king is like, yeah, I remember it. Go get for me the records. This one, like, King, can't you wait until tomorrow? You know, go get for me the records from the archives. So they ran to the National Archives in Shushan. I don't know how they moved. At night, at night, they go out to the National Archives and they come. And you know, those days, those days they, they didn't have small things like this. They had scrolls which were long. You, you spread it on the table like this. So they came in the scrolls. They come with 15 of them. They are pushing them in trolleys and then they bring them before the king. And I see the king seated on his throne. And he's like, okay. I started reading how many years ago, start reading the chronicles. <laughs> oh my! Let me tell you, the call the men to come and read the chronicles. And these men have to come. I, I, I see somebody like, it's sad. He's been woken up at night. But so the king wants the chronicles read. And you know, you're the one who has got the, the, the correct donation. <laughs> so, wake up, wake up. They wake up, they all come. They all come. Now, you know, those scrolls were big. So, somebody comes and goes from this side and turns it up to here. They open. They start reading. 
And when they were reading, listen to what the Bible says. They were read before the king, and it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bithan and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains and the keepers of the door who sought to lay hands on King Hosea. And you know what? As they kept on reading, they kept on reading. When they read this place, the king said, Stop! Stop. What did you just read? And then they repeated that there was a time, according to the Chronicles, it says there was a time when Victor and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains and the keepers of the door, they sought to lay hands on the king. And this story was picked up by Mordecai, who went and told it to Esther. Esther, in turn, okay, I don't want to know who told it to me. Just tell me. You said who? Mordecai. Who? Excuse me. What honor and dignity has been done to Mordecai for this? So the, the, the king asked, what has been done for Mordecai? To Mordecai for what he did, how he saved my life. I've never even heard of a man called Mordecai in kingdom. But I'm, I'm told he saved my life. This is the chronicles. Ah, something has to be done. I think that's when sleep will come. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. But it says, then the king said to his servant that ministered to him, the king's servant said to the, the king, there is nothing done for him. The king said, who is in the court? I like that. Now, brethren, this one shows something. This one shows something. The king was disturbed. They started reading the chronicles at night, and it's already mid-morning. The king has not slept. And those who are reading the chronicles have also not slept. The king's servants have not slept. And it's already early morning. And you know, uh, there's a gentleman called Haman who knows that today is a big day. We are going to have a feast with the king. So, uh, I, I, I need to ensure that they, they put a red carpet in the courts so that when I'm coming in, you know, I'll, I'll come in a big way. Let me tell you, brethren. The king asks over there, and that's what I'm telling you, it's in the morning. Because the king asks, who is in the courts? Now, a man was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. <laughs> I told you, people. I told you, let me tell you something. God overrules. God is just nice. Brethren, when, when you think things are going bad, relax. God is in control. And you know what happens? Uh, a man had come to, 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 to say, you know, King, the thing is, uh, I, I know official meeting we have in the evening, but I have some pressing issue I want to handle with you right now. So, King, uh, there's this guy, he's been an answer to this kingdom, so we need to do away with him. So I want to just sign this quickly so that we can ratify he goes and be hanged. I'll sort out the rest. You just put your signature, it's only your signature you need. Or you need some magic that I'll find the whole process of doing away with him. But let me tell you, when he comes over here with all that, and know he's already even structured now he's going to say it in his head. When he's coming in, he doesn't know that the king on his throne is asking, Who is in the outer court? Ah, man. This someone refuses to end every time. Listen, it says this in verses 5. The king's servant said, Behold, a man standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. I said, A man, yes, I needed, I need somebody who might trust like a man. He's the one who knows what can be done. And listen to the next part. 
So a man came in. Oh, brethren, my sanctified imagination takes me. He even to look at how a man was walking in, and he was walking in with some air on him. He, he, he walks in slowly. He is not even worried. He's not even worried. You know, the king has said, tell me. I said, how can things get better? Even before I, I plan to make a request, the king is already requesting for me to come here. <laughs> but, but let me tell you something. I, at times, I, I, have you seen the way people used to, 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 to trap chicken? When, when you have slaughter chicken, you, you, you throw some uh, maize like this, the chicken comes in, the chicken comes in, gets into the house and hell. Two minutes later, past tense, dispatching to the other world. Well, listen to this. <laughs> anyway, there's nothing like dispatching to the other world. <laughs> because they know I'm going to dispose too much. Listen to this in, in verse 6. In, 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 verse six in verse 6 of chapter 6, it says, So a man came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighted to honor? Said to the next part, it says, Now a man thought in his heart. Do you remember, do you remember the, the memory text? Do you remember the memory text? Heart. A man thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to honor more than myself? Pride goes before fall. Brethren, relax. Let God exalt you. As in your heart, and you're already feeling like. Of all the people in this kingdom, who, who, who could the king be thinking of honoring apart from me? Even if, even, even if he was thinking of somebody to honor. And then he had already even called me to the feast. Can you think of somebody else? No. But let me tell you, if, if you're with the devil, if you're with the de- if you're on the devil's side, the devil never leaves for you exams, okay? If, if you're on God's side, you'll have even been given a vision that hey, man. Don't go there today. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, because you familiarize yourself so much with the devil, the, the devil, the devil does not even warn you. The devil just allows you to walk into your death trap. <laughs> you are walking in. And, and let me tell you, in his heart he was thinking that way. So a man answered. And I said to this. A man answered the king and said, For the man, he begins by quoting the king first. For the man whom the king delighted to honor, let the royal apparel be brought which the king uses to wear, and the horse that the king rides upon, and the crown royal which is set upon the head of the king, and let this apparel and the horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man with all whom the king delighted to honor and to bring him on the horseback through the streets of the city and proclaim before him that shall be done to the man whom the king delighted to honor. Let me tell you something, brother. You know what? Uh, when, when God is doing things for you, God will even make your enemies your footstool. That's how the book of Psalms puts it. Now let me tell you something. God, allow God to honor you. Let me tell you, God will make your enemies honor you. The point where you, you, you'll be like, even in my wildest creativity, I wasn't thinking of it. And let me tell you, Mordecai is asleep. He, he, in fact, he must, he must have overslept on this day. Because he, is, <laughs> he only knows I fast, then I go to sleep. I fast, so I wake up, I wake up to pray, then I go to sleep. He doesn't even know what is going on over here. And yet, Haman could not even sleep. 
He slept, he slept, but he was like, I need to see the kid very early in the morning so that I solve this issue with him. I have Mordecai's hand. Once Mordecai is hung, I can come. Now I am eating with a, with a good appetite. Even when we are talking of stories over here, I'm not disturbed that there is somebody who did not bow down. Today when I'm coming in for the feast, everyone will be bowing down. The ones who did bow down will be hanging on the gallows. I actually was relaxed. But when he came, he even planned, he, he did an exaggerated thing. Let me tell you, at, at times when you don't even know who is going to be honored, please keep, keep some creativity to yourself. <laughs> you know, for him it's like, I want that guy to be given, to be clothed. In fact, if you read that description, it's like clothing like the king. Then, let somebody be running before him and the horse of the king is riding on the horse of the king and this person is running before him. He didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> but the, the devil can make you so foolish. <laughs> Please, be on the side of God, okay? So that you don't become foolish. Listen to what happened. <laughs> then the king said to a man, I like this. You know, the king is now speaking very fast. The king said to a man, Make haste! Do you know what that means? Hurry up. Hurry up. Make haste! Take their apparel. Did you get me clearly? I said, I, I get you are most trusted to do this job, not you. <laughs> but, but, but the king is like, make haste, take the apparel and the horse. And as you have said, do so, even to Mordecai, the Jew. Oh my. Oh no, 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 you didn't get it. You didn't get it. I hope the king explain. The thing is this. The king, you know, if, if the king had said, make haste, do this to Mordecai, Haman would have said, eh, eh, I know there's Mordecai at the gate, but is there any other Mordecai? <laughs> <laughs> you would have, you have looked, you have looked for any other Mordecai to honor. But the king was precise. And let me tell you, when the king is speaking in God's commands, the king does just what God says. Make haste, look for Mordecai. The Jew. That's so specific. I, I, I think, don't, don't, don't just look for chief. Look for chief. That seventh day Adventist preacher. God is so precise. And so he says, look for him, the Jew. Now, you know, uh, and do so to Mordecai, the Jew. That city. Hey, surely, must you be so precise? <laughs> you know, you would have gone among the Jews to look for another Mordecai who is also a Jew. But no that sitteth at the king's gate <coughs> and let nothing <laughs> brethren mark, mark god's word I, lo I love the bible the bible is so specific it says let nothing fail of all that you have spoken you know if, if, if you are if you are Haman at this point you can say okay i'm going to forget the apparel i'm going to forget to speak no mordecai is being Haman is being told let nothing fail. Don't even forget. In fact, I'm almost seeing the, the king saying, and, and where's, the, where's the king's press service? The presidential press service for those days. So I, I want the presidential press service to cover this live. It needs to be covered live so that I, I'm seated over here, but I need to see that what happened, how people walked through the street. I need to see it. I need to see that Haman, because Haman is my most trusted. Let God be God, and every man a liar. 
The Bible says, then took her man. Ah, no, no, no. The preacher doesn't want to see how a man was going there. But, but, but I see a man, almost even his knees are knocking. <laughs> he's, he's feeling tired. He's feeling tired. He's like, surely, could, could things have happened like this? Because if I'm going to do this Mordecai, how do I even start telling the king that I want this person to be hanged? How? Man. When, when your game plan starts crumbling before the presence of God's people, brother and sister, listen to me, it crumbles perfectly. And listen to how it goes. It says, Then her man took the apparel and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and brought him on a horseback through the city, through the street of the city, and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done unto the man whom the king delighted to honor. And I can see him saying that, but I'm almost seeing the fear, the, the, the tears on his face. And you know, as he goes around crying and saying all these things, you know, he's like, when will this come to an end? <laughs> in fact, for the first time in a man's life, the streets were never longer. He went through the first street. He was like, you mean there are six more streets? He went through the next one, the next one. By the time he was coming back. Well, I can't wait to stop this thing. I can't wait. And, and you know, I, 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 see, I see Mordecai who has been fasting. <laughs> I, 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 I see the fasting Mordecai. The fasting Mordecai is seated on the house. And he's like, Trust the Lord. Lord <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and he's like, Please don't want to understand me. And let me tell you, if you are with the Lord, Three things can happen. And, and Mordecai looks at this and you, you, you know when things are relaxed and you're on this horse, you know the king's horse does not have a limb, so that you'll be afraid that it's going to fall. It's even trained how to walk while carrying the king. So I'm seeing Mordecai is even over there and he's like, oh, I should be having my prayers. Here is Thanksgiving time. So Mordecai has even closed his eyes <laughs> and he's thanking God. God, I have not seen this coming, but uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. God, now that you've started doing this, I trust we are not going to be destroyed. If the man who wants to destroy us is running and making this noise, God, it is finished. <laughs> God, it's finished. This is the guy who wants to destroy us. And I is running and I'm the one who is here. Anyway, God, God, I don't know. I don't know how you work, but me, I know you work. So, God, you, you are God. You, you are God. This one should not understand how you work. So, God, please let them see your hand at work. This is the beginning of a long process. And let me tell you, God doesn't take such prayers lightly. God takes them seriously. And listen to the next verse. It says, And when the guy came again at the king's gate, brethren, I'll tell you something. When I was telling you, you know, at times when I preach and, and, and I explain to people the real thing that is happening, people think that I, I overstretch my imagination. But it, it's just because I've read it. So, uh, divinity combined with humanity works to try and explain these things better. You thought I was lying to you when I was telling you that he was looking for how long will it end the trip. Listen to this. As soon as he just brought the horse back and he came back to the king's gate, Listen. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate. But Haman even forgot what he wanted to do. But Haman hastened to his house, mourning 
and having inside the cover. Brethren, that is all you can do. You, you can't, he was, run, he was running, in fact, I can see, in, you remember the way we used to write compositions in primary school? I ran as fast as my thin then mosquito-sized legs could carry me. <laughs> Let me tell you, brethren, Haman ran. Haman ran as fast as his fat uh, and lame mosquito-sized legs could carry him. And he ran until he arrived at his house. And it was morning. He was crying and everything. And Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and his friends. You know, his friends had come because they were expecting a big news from the king's palace when you come back because you are going to ask for permission to hang Mordecai. When you're coming back, you're telling us that it is true so that we try and tell the people who are organizing this case that they get ready, there's going to be a big ceremony. So we are waiting for you in the house. When he came back, you know, even the news had already said it, but he comes. He told the wife, he told them, no, no, I, I, I see the wife, I see the wife. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I met you alone, they don't know, you don't know what happened. What you heard from the news, that is, that is nothing. That is nothing. You sit down, let me tell you the truth of what has happened to me today. The day I will never forget. This is what Haman says, the day I will never forget. He told his wife and his friends everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise men, even had his wise men, and the rest his wife unto him. If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom you have begun to fall, Thou shalt not prevail against him, but thou shalt surely fall before him. Brethren, you don't understand. That statement is heavy. I told you people that when Mordecai was on the horse, he was looking at the guy and saying, Man, this is the beginning of a long journey. Now you know what? Even the enemies themselves are telling him. If I was Haman, and I can easily say that right now because I'm pretty, but I'm not Haman. If I was Haman at that time, and they told me that. I would be like, uh, please, you people do this. That guy, uh, get a construction company to destroy it. Just spoil that guy. Then let me go back to the king and send my apologies beforehand. Because if what you've said, you are a wise man, my wife really lies to me. But if my wife has told me that I began falling, man, this is a serious fall. At least I even fall and I reach somewhere. But if this is how I'm going to fall, he says, if he, if he be of the seed of the Jews, brethren, do you know something? The Jews were known. The Jews were known. They were known that the God of the Jews is a serious God. And let me tell you, when the God of the Jews begins dealing with you, you will not stand. He will deal with you so thoroughly to the point whereby even your enemies are like, if, if you've fallen in the hands of the Jews, I, I wish it was even the Assyrians. In fact, they're like, if it was the Egyptians, we would have even told you a remedy to the Egyptians. Because the Egyptians worship the, the calf god. We can even go and kill all calves. That's what they mean. But this one is the true god. If you started falling, man, it is progressive fall. In fact, this running story you are telling us, now I'm saying this is not in the Bible or the spirit of prophecy. This is not the job. This running story you are telling us that you are running in front of the horse. Man, this is the beginning of a long run. So you, you better stop this early enough. Listen to the next part it says. And while they were talking, 
with him came the king's chamberlain and hasted to bring her man unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. Brethren, it's already two o'clock. Last time I started, you know, today, because there are people who are not here last time, so I thought instead of starting from the place where I have now reached, let me go back so that I explain to you so that you understand the next part. But I imagine again I've reached where I reached last time. And I can't promise another Sabbath. So I want you to go for lunch, okay? I've, I've suspended the sermon. I've suspended the sermon so that you go for lunch. We come after lunch, we'll finish, okay? Yes. But let, let, let me finish on this wise. Let me tell you how interesting God is. <laughs> no, I, I have to tell you how interesting God is. As in, Haman comes back home and he's so disappointed, he's explained everything. He has been told, this is the beginning of your fall. You know, at times you expect even your wife to tell you something encouraging. You, you know that. At times, you know, even when you fail, when you fail, you expect your wife to, to, to tell you that. You tried. You 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 are not the best from me. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you. Let me tell you. In the case of a man, in the case of a man, the, the wife, the wife, all of them now are speaking because let me tell you, when, when God, when God puts the, his words even into the mouth of a stupid person. The stupid person will say something sensible. So you know, God just speaks the word into the wife's mouth. Now the wife just finds herself speaking. If you began to fall, man, you're going to fall. And you know what? When they were still speaking and telling him how he's going to fall, then they see another horse coming. <laughs> and the horse comes and then stops at the gate. And then uh, this guy comes panting. Excuse me. Oh, it's one of the king's chairman. What does he want? Is a man in? Yes, yes, a man is in. Yes, tell a man that uh, it, it's already time. He's needed at the king's palace for the banquet with the queen. Brethren, because it's talking about a banquet, we need to go and eat. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we, we, we need to stop at that point. You know, I, I can't explain the banquet. I can't explain the banquet before you have your lunch banquet. You would be like a preacher, you're giving us appetite problems. So let us spend it at that so that we go for the banquet. But you know what? The Chamberlain has come and has called Haman. Haman, come for the banquet. I don't know how Haman felt. But I'll start from there in the afternoon. I'm assuming that all of us will be there in the afternoon. May God bless you. Amen. I'll explain to you everything. I, I, I'll crown it in the afternoon. You know. If, if I suspend it over here and even give you the teaching and the moral of the story right now, some of you will be like, now, who are they coming the afternoon? No, come in the afternoon. Let's try that for closing another time. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you because you're the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. The story in the book of Esther is a challenging story. For there are some little people, a small group scattered in the midst of an entire country called Kenya. Scattered in the midst of an entire world. And these people believe in you, God. They believe even in your laws. And God, I'm praying that there are other people who are planning to destroy your small commandment-keeping people who have decided not to keep the king's commandment but to keep the commandment of the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, I pray, even as we take a short break, before coming back to wrap up this presentation on the King, 
Aqui vem o book of Esther. I pray that you may bless us. That you may keep us safe. And give us an understanding of your word. Now and forever, both of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to close with this song as the pulpit tip gets out. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where we are sealed near to the heart of God. Oh,